You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I'm Phil Milani, joined as always by my trusty sidekick and partner in crime at Eric Delilah. That's me. Yeah. Hi. What's going on? Excited to be here, Phil. Yeah. You're wearing your pink shirt today. I am. That's nice. I like it. I broke it out for this special YouTube edition YouTube of the Neutral edition. Zone. Yeah. We're going to throw this up on YouTube. So check it out on uh, the Broncos official YouTube page. As always, if you have any comments or want to be a part of the show, just uh, send us your thoughts by way of Twitter, at Eric Delala with an A, at Phil Milani, traditional spelling. <laughs> Correct. Uh, we got a great show for you in store on this Monday. It's the day after press conference for Vic Fangio. We'll go right through his press conference, starting with uh, the pass interference non-calls there uh, toward the end of the game. Fangio had some uh, very passionate thoughts about that on Monday. Then we'll talk about the defensive performance in the second half. First half, shutout, Eric. Second half, not a shutout. Not a shutout. Uh, We'll give Fangio's thoughts on Brandon Allen, the Brandon McManus miss, and plus, uh, what's the state of the Broncos right now? Fangio uh, had some interesting thoughts on that at the end of his press conference. So that'll be the show. Also uh, joining us here in studio, trying out for the role of podcast supervisor once again, it's Ben Swanson. Hello. What's going on? Nothing. I'm just doing my best. Oh, that's good. That's the right kind of mentality to have. Thank you. And then uh, also here with us is intern extraordinaire, Emily Samanskis. Hello. I'm also doing my best. Oh, that's good. (laughs) How are you doing on this Monday, uh, a late November Monday here in the Mile High City? Honestly, the weather is really nice, so can't complain. Very nice. Yes. Uh, Although we are coming off of another frustrating loss for the Broncos, losing once again at the last second, Eric. Yep, a, uh, a 20 to nothing halftime lead. And I think if you think about the game, Phil, it changed at the end of the first half when Will Parks forced a fumble on a kickoff. Josie Jewell recovers. The Broncos have a chance to go up 27 to nothing at halftime. And it would have been over. It really would have been over. And unfortunately, Brandon Allen throws an interception on the first snap after the turnover. Broncos get no points. And the next thing you know, the Vikings come out after halftime and score touchdowns on all four of their second half possessions. I really want to know what Mike Zimmer said in the locker room because must've been amazing. You know how uh, Michael Jordan created that secret sauce. I do. Maybe that he had some of that going on in his, maybe he went full Al Pacino. Oh, any given Sunday the inches we need are everywhere around us. I'm not sure about that impression. You probably, didn't like probably that? should never do that ever again. Okay. Secret. Very disrespectful to Mr. Pacino. Secret stuff, not secret sauce. Sorry, secret stuff. That's what I meant. No one drinks sauce out of like a, out of like a squeeze bottle. Secret stuff. Sorry, my apologies. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think things change so quickly. Uh, the Vikings scored on that first drive after halftime, and I think it took five or six minutes. So and you just felt like they came out with a little bit of a different mindset too. But even at that point, I thought to myself, okay, if the Vikings take six minutes to score each of these touchdowns. They can't come back. You know, there's not there's not enough time, really. But unfortunately, the Broncos were able, were only able to put up three points. And then two of the, the Vikings drives were just so fast. I think one of them took like 35 seconds. And then the other one, uh, two minutes and 14 seconds. They just made big play after big play. Broncos defense, they couldn't communicate properly. They weren't making the same big stops that they had made in the first half. And a game that really would have been a really good win for this Broncos team, Phil. I mean, that would have been... The best win they had all year. It just yeah. it slipped away really fast. And then, of course, the Broncos had one last chance there to drive down the field and maybe score a touchdown for a game winner there. Uh, Noah Fant, the ball deflects off his helmet. Some questionable calls, though. That's the, the Monday chatter, though, is what about some of these calls? Vic Fangio, of course, challenged a pass interference call right before the two-minute warning. Those are so hard to get overturned this year. Vic Fangio was asked about what he thinks 
about being able to review it and how the NFL has been handling that so far this year? Well, I mean, I think, you know, from the time that the during the league meetings when the rule was adopted to where we are now and, you know, it's changed. Um, I had a head coach tell me recently, another head coach in the league, that he had a touchdown scored against him and he thought there was offensive pass interference to get that touchdown. Naturally, he didn't challenge because all touchdowns are reviewed. Um, They didn't review it at all, and um, he complained about it during the week, and the league agreed with him that it should have been offensive pass interference. He called the, the officiating department and asked, well, why didn't you overturn it? And they said that they've been told not to overturn those, you know, just... It's going to have to be a five-car pileup, I guess, for them to overturn something. So it was offensive pass interference that the guy was telling me about. They thought it was, but still didn't overturn it. So I really don't know where it's at. I challenged the one late in the game just because, you know, that was going to be our last drive, critical situation. Thought it was worth the chance. If that had been much earlier in the game, I wouldn't have. So he thought it was worth a chance there at the end, but, you know, it's so hard to get those overturned, it seems like, this year. Yeah, and you could kind of tell that that's what he was doing. You know, it wasn't egregious enough that I thought it was going to get overturned. I think it was more of a, hey, it's it's third and or it was third and six. Like, let's see what happens here. Maybe they give us a first down. You know, we save some time here. Um but I think the bigger issue that Vic's referring to is like you see yesterday in the in the Texans Ravens game, DeAndre Hopkins gets tackled in the end zone and they don't call it. Yeah, and I think it's just so misleading for the coaches because they see PI and they're like, oh well, we're supposed to be able to challenge this now, and then it just never gets overturned. Well, and I think back to I think it was against the Colts, uh, the Colts challenged and they it was changed. And they got it. They yeah, got it. They got it that time. And to me, that call where. Uh, someone was holding on to a receiver's hand as he was trying to run his route. can't remember if it was Devontae Harris or Duke Dawson, one of those two, I believe. But, I mean, that wasn't any more egregious than some of the stuff we saw either against Fumagalli on that play or in the end zone at the end of the game as Tim Patrick's helmet is getting twisted to the side. So it just seems like every week there's a different standard. And if you're a head coach, I don't see how you can continue to challenge this unless you're in a situation like Vic was where, hey, you've got nothing to lose because at this point, because if you think about it, would it have been nice to keep a timeout? Sure, but... Well, they would have got... If they had a timeout left, they would have had one more chance at at an end zone throw. Right, and it probably would have been a little less rush, but I think if you're Vic, you're thinking, if we don't convert this, we don't have enough timeouts to get the ball back, so we have to score on this drive, so if this helps us get a first down, that's worth the risk. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Vic was later asked if he thinks that the NFL should just do away with the possibility of challenging pass interference. Here's what he had to say about that. I don't know. My question to them or anybody is, you know, that came about because of that play in the championship game in New Orleans. And what if the same type of play happened, but it was holding that they blatantly missed? would we be reviewing holding instead of pass interference? And I'm talking about inline play. So it was a knee-jerk reaction to a play that caused a lot of public uproar. So that's what happened. Well, clearly you can hear Fangio was not too happy about that. Rarely does he go on for a while about a topic. So clearly he had some thoughts here on this Monday. Yeah, and... I think to some degree, like the pass interference is different just because it's it's isolated, it's more visible. Like if a guard is holding a defensive tackle among all that's going on, you could argue a lot still has to go right for that play to be successful or not successful. Whereas if a receiver is running down the, the sideline and he gets tackled, you can point directly to that and say, that's what changed the outcome of this play. And also pass interference could be a 50-yard penalty you know, depending on where it happens on in the field. So 
You know, right. you're talking about huge game changing plays, whereas holding 10 yard penalty, not going to really determine the outcome of a game. Most times it just, it does feel like this season, the officiating has had an impact on more games than maybe you would remember in recent history. And I don't know if that's because of the pass interference, but I think back to a play on Sunday where they said that the Vikings lined up over the long snapper on a field goal. The Broncos appeared set to have a first down in the red zone. And then after a couple of minutes, they said, "Never mind, we're picking the flag up. Yeah, that was strange. I'm not sure if I've ever seen something like that. I would have thought that Fangio would have got a lot more upset about just a complete change on a, on a penalty. It was so late too, because sometimes a referee will call a, a penalty and then they'll huddle up and then talk about what they all saw and then change it. This didn't, I mean, the Broncos offense was already back on the field huddling. Right. And same with the Vikings defense. Right. And and we we, we saw that play. We saw Noah Fant and Tim Patrick kind of get jostled with in the end zone there at the end of the game. Um, I think you could point out a couple other plays as well, but it's been hard to find a game this season where it doesn't seem like a major officiating decision hasn't had an impact. Did you think the Noah Fant should have... What did you think about that? Any call there? Because it seemed like Fant also pushed off. Yeah, and I'm, you don't o- want, uh, I'm okay with no, yeah, with too. nothing there. But the Tim Patrick, though. Yeah, and even if the guy wants to, you know, grab onto Tim Patrick a little bit, if he wants to shove him a little bit, I'm okay with that in the red zone in that situation. Let him play because you don't want to call OPI for Tim Patrick boxing somebody out. Exactly. But when his face mask is getting grabbed and his head is being, the ball. his head is being turned away from the play. That's too far. And Tim Patrick did a great job in the locker room. He said, you guys saw what happened. I don't want to get fined. These guys have been pretty good about not going nuts about calls. Now, let me ask you this, though. You know that it's going to be a physical situation there. Uh, it could be go back and forth either way. No targets to Cortland Sutton in that situation. I go back and forth because... I think you don't want to put a quarterback like Brandon Allen, who has two career starts in a situation where you say force the ball to Cortland Sutton into double coverage, because that's the way that maybe he throws a bad interception and the game is over, or he decides not to read more of the field or he gets sacked for holding the ball too long. So on one hand, I view that, but then also I think that you've got to consider just getting the ball to those, to those other guys. He's your best offensive player at this point. Yeah, but I think that you've got to trust in the scheme and trust in the team. Because I'll say like that last play to Fant, it looked like he knew exactly where he was going with the ball pre-snap. So why not create something where maybe Sutton can get a 50-50 ball, maybe a fade or something in the end zone? Well, and I think that the timing also dictated some of what happened. You know, they had to make these, obviously not on the last play, but before that, these quick passes um, so that you gave yourself as many chances as you could. I would have, I mean, if you called timeout 20 seconds earlier, maybe you can run the ball once, yeah. you know, and see what, see what happens. Um, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying, I, because I don't, I don't have any problem with them trying to go to their first round pick in a tight end. Who's a big guy who can box out. And then obviously Tim Patrick had the other opportunity. there, another big wide receiver. I, I get, you know, I, I didn't have a problem with any of those things. I just thought maybe, you'd want to go after uh, Cortland Sutton, especially with the way Sutton was playing in the game. Yeah. I mean, maybe he draws a, a more egregious pass interference call and you're at the one and then you can sneak it into the end zone. But what I will say, and every player said this in the locker room, especially the defensive guys, it never should have been in that situation where you need to score with two seconds left in the game in order to win. They were up by 20 points at halftime. I think we saw a stat that 99 consecutive teams have won in that position and the Broncos weren't able to close it out defensively. They weren't able to make the big stops. Vic Fangio talked about that on Monday. They weren't able to make the plays on offense. They needed to, they missed a field goal, which I know we'll talk about Phil, but overall every little thing that needed to happen for the Broncos to, to lose happened. Yeah. It was like a perfect storm. Right. And, but, but for me, that's why don't blame the officiating. Don't blame the play call in the red zone at the end because yeah, that's not why they lost. Exactly. There were, there were much bigger reasons why this team couldn't hold on to a 20 to nothing lead. Yeah. And Fangio talked about the defensive performance in the second half. Well, I thought um, early on in there, we played too soft outside and gave them some easy completions. Not that they were big plays, but they got some easy completions. We had our chances in almost all those drives to get off the field and we just didn't execute. We had a third and 15. 
that we had a poor drop on and they got a first down. We had a third and 10. We get called for holding the receiver at the five yard mark, which was the correct call. You know, that, that's just poor there. And we had some others too. Uh, we had our chances, but um, when you give an offense with their good quarterback and the guys they have, those many opportunities when you have a chance to get off the field, you know, that's not a good thing. Seems like they had their, their chances to get off. Yeah, and this might seem a little, maybe this is too out there, but I think because the Broncos were up by so many points, the Vikings almost had to be aggressive to the point where it helped them because there were a couple of times, I think on that that first Viking scoring drive, they had a fourth and one that they converted. And then again, on their second touchdown drive of that half, they had another fourth and one. And maybe if the Broncos are up 10 or something like that, they decide to punt it away or play more conservatively to keep you in the game. But they went for it. They, they got both of those, obviously. Um, they went hurry up. Exactly. They did some of those things that they took some shots. Yeah, they had to take chances and they they played in a way that for whatever reason was difficult for the Broncos to adjust to. Yeah, and it just seems like um, maybe the soft zone or those kind of things that they were trying to keep the Vikings in front of them, it just wasn't working. You know, and they, they were like the digs play, you know, you can't have stuff like that happen when you got such a big lead knowing that if you just force them to, like you were saying earlier in the in the show pot in the podcast classic show pot show podcast that doesn't even make any sense either no it doesn't swanson <laughs> does that make sense or no <laughs> no oh okay. but it's funny to me yeah because i'm silly silly is one way to put it sure dumb uh, i don't think we can oh say that goodness. on youtube i, I will <laughs> say though that I think that Cook play was a turning point in terms of after that happened, the place was rocking. They were going, the Cook touchdown? Skull. No, the Diggs touchdown. Because I think even- you said Cook. Swanson. Fact check, true. Did Ooh, say Cook. You're dumb too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I think the Diggs touchdown was a turning point because even, of course it was. even after the, the Cook touchdown, you're still up 10 points. You'd stopped a two-point conversion attempt, which was big. And maybe you're able to, you know, get something going. But unfortunately, you go three and out. Three plays later, they hit that pass to, to Stephon Diggs, who had a really big game. I think he has... First half, no catches. Yeah. Second half, domination. A lot of catches. Um, but at that point, the place was rocking, and you're almost like, we're in trouble now. Well, I saw you in the press box. You were crying. I was a little, a little afraid. It was loud in there. It was an open-air press box. No window to keep me safe. And um, why do you think it was so loud in there? Probably the horn. The horn. Emily, what did the horn sound like? Excellent. Yeah, it did sound like that. Yep. And uh, maybe probably just just only the horn and and also the fans. The fans being really loud. I don't know if you've ever. Got it. The skull chant was something to experience. That was pretty cool. The stadium overall was very nice. I think, like, the beginning of the game, Skull Chant, cool, but when they cut it to three after the Diggs chant and they showed him on the video board and he was just going nuts, uh-huh. I was all jacked up. I stood up yeah. for the rest of the game. Yeah, you did. It was you probably gotta, kind of annoying. You got to stop drinking coffee, man. I know. Yeah. I told you about that. I don't you, listen to you. You were really hyped, but uh, guess who was pretty calm? Brandon Allen. Brandon Allen. That's why we're the best in the biz, Phil. We just toss back and forth like nobody's business. You just read my mind. Good. You know, that was a tough environment, as you guys, most of you were there, I'm sure. And um, it can get loud there. Um, I thought he did well. I thought he handled the huddle well. There was a couple times where he was having a hard time hearing the communication in his helmet from the coaches. Um, That's what the one time out was four on the fourth and one in the fourth quarter. Um, but overall, I thought he did well handling the environment. I agree. I mean, that place was rocking, and he drove the Broncos all the way down the field, executed on some fourth down plays there, used his athleticism, got out of the pocket, and set up three three opportunities to win the game. Yeah, he played well, uh, did some stuff with his feet. I mean, that last fourth down he converted on a run, but what's what's interesting to me is that in the first half, and this has happened all year long with Allen and without him, the Broncos have looked good at times in the first half and they're moving the ball. And then in the second half, 
they're really close still, but like one player here and there is preventing them from scoring points. I mean, I think part of that is because they possess the ball for so long and don't have, they got chunk plays to Cortland Sutton, obviously, and that throw from Sutton to Patrick, but they don't have, they don't always have like the, we can score in four plays or five plays. And so they, they got the ball once in the third quarter. And so when you don't score or you just get a field goal, that's where all of a sudden it goes from we can score 20 points in the first half and score only three in the second half. Because just thinking about it, it doesn't necessarily make sense. You're like, how could this team score so many points initially and then just get almost blanked? Yeah. I, you know, Fangio even said on Monday that they were trying to throw the ball down the field. That was part of their game plan, and they definitely did that in the first half. In the second half, they hit Carlin Sutton a couple of times, but it didn't seem like that was a priority. And maybe that's a factor of being up by 20 at halftime where you say, okay, let's start being a little more conservative. You don't want to take as many shots. The Vikings' run defense was very good, and that was evident again on Sunday. And, you know, the offense just uh, three points in the second half was – that was tough. Well, you you did say I asked you I think when it was I think when the Vikings cut it to twenty to seven I said Phil how many points do the Broncos need? You I said thirty one. Said thirty one. I said I don't think so. I think about twenty four. So we'll get it done because the the way the defense had been playing I didn't think Kirk Cousins was going to be able to put yeah. yeah I didn't think he was going to be able to put it together because he I think he got sacked three times in the first half. But his completion percentage is ridiculous. Yeah. 29 he, to 35. Always positive plays. It's just always moving positive. Well, except for the strip sack. Yeah, that's true. Shelby Harris had a very impressive game. He did three three sacks. I asked him, uh, when's the last time you had a game like that? He said, he said in the FCS playoffs back when he was at <laughs> Illinois State. It's been classic, a while. Classic Illinois State game. Redbirds. Any other Illinois State players, uh, Swanson? Devonte Harris. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Not, um, to, not to be confused with the De- Red Hawks. Deontay Spencer. Did I hear Red Hawks? Miami. Miami of Ohio. Ah. Ah-ha. How does it feel to be the second Miami? Not we were good. Miami or? before Florida was a state. Hmm. Oh. You can buy a T-shirt that says that. Hmm. Christmas present for Phil. <laughs> can you I'm buy the sure. King Supers? You can. <laughs> Impressive. Um, um, but w- what I was going to say is that when, oh. we, when we were talking about... Okay, yeah, I won't say anything. Yeah, yeah you, please, you talk. Please you talk. don't. I will. When we were talking about the, the rush defense before the game started, we thought, hey, they're going to shut down the rush initially, and so maybe Brandon Allen's going to have to throw the ball to keep them in it. And what ended up happening is they threw the ball so well at the beginning, and then they wanted to kind of run the clock a little bit with the running game, and that's when they couldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. Also, to return to fill in the blank, I asked you if Dalvin Cook would have more rushing yards than Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay combined, and you adamantly, Phil, adamantly said Dalvin Cook. Adamant? Yes. That's like... um, Is this a Freddie Kitchens moment? That's like at King Supers, when you go to the end of the aisle, there's like... um, you can get like coffee cakes by adamants and like um, donuts and that kind of thing. No, it's like after dinner when you're walking out of a restaurant, you can grab a toothpick and you can also adamant. Oh, got it. Got it. it. Kind of like that. Got it. I love it. Like uh, just a nice after dinner mint. Yeah. You adamant after dinner. Yeah. Uh, Delvin Cook, 26 rush yards. Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman combined for 108. So I think mm. I, I think I won that one. Hmm. You also said that the Broncos needed to score 25 points to win the game on the podcast, and that would not have got the job done. Uh, they would have been closer. if They it, it would have been close, but actually had, no cigar Had they had there. 25 points going into that final drive, they would have been able to just kick a field goal. That's true, and then that didn't happen. Well, unfortunately, Brandon McManus, as we know, missed a 43-yarder that would have put them in pretty nice position. Is that a cue to roll... Roll it. Well, you're always concerned when a guy misses a kick, you know, especially one I believe it was 42 and the operation was good. There was no flaws there. He he just missed it, and um, he's got to make that kick. What do you think about that? He's got to make it. He does have to make that kick. I mean, I believe it was actually a 33-yarder 
a little bit more difficult than than Vic uh, said there. But wait, how far was it? I believe forty. Back check. Forty-three yards, I believe. You One yard farther. Than- Correct. That's three feet. Got 36 it. inches. Got it. I don't know how many centimeters. And I think what Brandon McManus after the game said he just kicked the ground. He did crick, kick the ground. Crick? Jared Crick. <laughs> um, are you concerned at all? I mean, this is the, I believe, the third field goal. Excuse me, the fourth field goal he's missed this year. One of those was that really long one. I think the 64-yarder, if I'm not mistaken, at Oakland in week one. But he missed one against the Chargers that would have kind of iced the game. He missed one against Kansas City that would have, I think, cut it to 14 to, to 10, I believe, or 14-9. Um, and then, of course, the one this week that would have kept you within striking distance. Now, granted, it might have changed the whole complexity of the game where now the Vikings are, the Broncos aren't quite as aggressive on offense. They're not going for it on fourth down or the Vikings handle things different differently. But just from a, a point standpoint, it, it changed a lot. It changed a lot. I mean, yeah, I think that momentum-wise, too, I mean, you get a little bit dejected when you miss the field goal and you, you walk away with no points there. So um, well, I, I want to say... Plus the field position. Yes. Now, instead of them starting with the ball at the 20 or the 25-yard line, the field position is much better. Yeah, I just... I, I wouldn't say that I'm concerned yet because I know what Brandon McManus is capable of. I mean, he on that playoff run to the Super Bowl, did not miss a kick. That was a long time ago, though. It was, and something I respect about guys like Von Miller and Chris Harris. Yeah, when they said, were, forget about that. When they were asked in the locker room after the game about, hey, the Super Bowl 50 team won a lot of close games. Is this team kind of close to that? They, no. Super Bowl 50 was four years ago. Yeah, I'm just saying I know what he's done. Right. I know he's capable of. It's not like he's an unproven guy who's you know, you're wishy-washy about. You've seen Brandon McManus make some really big kicks. Right, we've also seen him miss a couple extra points this year, which should be givens, which I think those were focused because Tom McMahon kind of came out and said, that's been fixed. Don't worry about that anymore. But you got to make these clutch kicks. Yeah, it seems in like a more dome, and, too. Exactly. It You're seems talking. like more and more kickers, though, aren't making 40-plus-yard field goals with the same, uh, you know, like automatic. Yeah. That should be automatic for Brandon McManus. Anything inside of 50. And he's been good at that during his career, but some of these kicks have been kind of pressure-filled, and he hasn't made them. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that situation there. I don't think that it's reason for concern yet, but um, maybe something to keep an eye on moving forward. Yeah, I don't know if that means off-season competition or or what, but, I mean, we we can see from what's going on around the less what's going on around the rest of the league. There's not that many options. So I, yeah, I, I wouldn't say by any means they're going to swap him out right now, but he needs to, you got to make those kicks. Yeah. And I mean, that's the position of, of being a kicker in the NFL is that, you know, you, you go out there and you make those kicks and you execute, nobody even notices, but the second that you don't make one, the spotlight's on you. That's true. And I think he was three for four in the game. Yeah. I mean, he, he was pretty good, but but I agree with you. You you make that kick, and I think that the rest of the ball game, different feel to it. Right. Because this is something that John Elway has said many times, is that the hardest part about getting out of these funks and these losing, you know, the way that the Broncos have been losing is mentally not saying, here we go again. Right. And definitely when he missed that kick, I was guilty of it. I said, here we go again. Right. And if he makes that, you're up six with just over six minutes left. And you kind of feel like as a defense, hey, we haven't played great in this half, but if we get one stop here, we're going to be in position to sure. win this game. Still. The whole mindset Des- is different. Despite everything else that's happened, we're still going to be in position to win this game. Yep. And, you know, the mental part of the game is really important. And uh, I think that the locker room after the game was pretty strong. Guys weren't like really down. I think that they know that they are heading in the right direction. Fangio was asked on Monday, hey, how do you convince these guys that this team is close? Well, I don't, have to, I don't think I have to convince them we were close. I mean, you all were there. It was close. Um, and it's been close a lot of times. Um, just, again, emphasize and reinforce the positive, correct the mistakes, critique, and continue to teach and coach. And these guys have to continue to learn and execute. And 
and I think they will. These guys are like coming to work. They, they're giving us great effort on the practice field. You can see the effort that we're giving on Sundays. So I think that will happen. Now, that's the kind of answer that a fan doesn't really care about. They don't want to hear about moral victories or they don't want to hear, hey, they're playing, they're practicing well. I get that. But I will say locker room culture is really important when you're trying to build something. And I think this culture is really strong right now. Yeah, and I don't know if I agree with you about the fans. I mean, some people are angry. But reading some comments, I like to wade into the comments section occasionally just oh, to I see what's going comments. on in there. It's dangerous, but I do it. And what what they you have like been to walk on the line? Yeah, there, what they've know? been saying is this team is a lot more fun to watch and entertaining to watch than it has been the last couple of years. And they're competing in these games, and you're not going to turn on one of these games and see them get embarrassed. They're making strides in the right directions, and I think fans can appreciate that. Yeah. I haven't seen people turn on Vic or you know players on this roster the way that happened the last couple of years. Yeah, and maybe part of that is that the last couple of years they started so strong, so you thought that maybe they were really good, and then it's sort of not panned out the way. This year, the team has constantly been heading in the right direction. They just aren't quite there where they need to be just yet. Right, and you, I think in my eyes, I always love to look forward. You had a couple, of you had a, a few pieces to the core that you have that's really good of Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant and Dalton Reisner and Philip Lindsay and Bradley Chubb and Alexander Johnson and Justin Simmons, you add a couple pieces to that, you you already have a team that is playing really competitive football against some of the best teams in the league. I mean, the Vikings, I think right now, are the they're a wild card, but they're right there with the Packers for the NFC North lead. That's not a bad football team that you just blew a lead against. You know, yeah. that's... A part of the frustrating part is just the way that they lost. Maybe if they had, it had been a competitive game the whole way through and then you lose, you feel okay. But the way that they lost stings a little bit more for me personally. Yeah, I kind of disagree. I think, Oh, man, what? I'd what? rather, I'd rather uh, because I think the first half showed you what this team can be. They were so dominant. Now, do you expect to shut every team out and you know win every game 30 to nothing? No, but... They showed you when they're playing well on offense, when the defense is playing to their capability, they can they can beat anybody. And obviously didn't they weren't able to do it for a full game, but that to me was at least there was something encouraging. If you were playing the whole game and it was another loss like the Bears or the Colts, you'd be like, gosh, that that's brutal. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, things were clicking in the first half. Some of that may be due to how the Vikings were playing. But, uh, yes, I do think that it did show you what this team is capable of. But Dalvin Cook was a leading, going into week 11, was a leading rusher in the league. They held him to fewer than 40 yards. Yeah, no, they did a great job with Dalvin Cook. Her cousins didn't have a touchdown pass in the first half, and they strip-sacked him. Like, they they played really well. Yeah. If that's what this Broncos team looks like, you know, whether it's the rest of the year or next year or the year after with Vic Fangio as the head coach, they're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, and the, all the young guys that you mentioned right there, one thing that they all have in common is a good head for, on their shoulders. Yeah, also they all play for the Broncos. They do. So that's another thing. But I will say, like, these guys all are really positive, team-oriented kind of guys. I mean, you can even see Bradley Chubb is tweeting about the game, you know. Like, these guys are – they care about each other. They play for each other. And uh, there's reason to be optimistic there. One point I did want to get to is that the quarterback position, you did not mention a name there. I did not. Vic Fangio said You're that. very astute. Yeah. Nothing gets by Phil. That, do you think the quarterback position is important? Or, um, I think you could argue that. And then also when we're but, talking but about I will, but obvious, I will say, like, if you have a team where the quarterback, you only have a quarterback and you don't have the other pieces – that doesn't always work out well either. We saw that a few years ago with the Colts. They had Andrew Luck, and the oh. rest of the roster was terrible. Oh. It didn't work out well. Also, when we're the, talking about obvious observations, you're yes. the you're the leader in the clubhouse there. Oh, yeah? What was, like, a yeah. good one from today? An obvious one that yeah. you took? Not in this podcast, but just okay. in general, that's your overall theme. Got it. So let's talk about— I try, I try to be obvious. You just try to be factually incorrect. So it's kind of like a nice balance. Yeah, that's why people yeah. listen to this show. <laughs> exactly. It's everything you want. Exactly. But 
I do think when you find that quarterback, the core around them is good enough that you should be able to start winning pretty much right away. So uh, Vic Fangio said that Drew Locke will continue to do what he did last week, and that is a lot of scout team reps and then a few regular reps during practice. He said it's highly unlikely that Drew Locke will be the backup this week, even though Eric thought maybe he would be the backup last week. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so where do you think things stand right now? Like, can Brandon Allen continue to be the quarterback of this team? Is, what if he goes out there and plays well again against the really good Bills defense? Well, you think, if I no, remember correctly. No, no, I correctly, was asking what you think. I know, but, but you believe that Brandon Allen played a really nice game against the Vikings. Because I, I believe I think you he think he should keep well playing. for what I, what I was expecting. Oh, okay. First road start. Um, he seemed calm out there. He seemed like the moment wasn't too big for him. It was really loud. He was, you know, he delivered the play calls in the huddle. He got to the line of scrimmage. He executed on that fourth down run. Well, no, I thought that he played well. His stat line. Yeah. I, I wasn't great. Go, yeah. I wouldn't go too much into that. I would just well, sort of but, do the eye test with him. Well, the eye test is that they scored three points in the second half. Yeah, but they also some scored of, 20 points in the first half. Right. Some of that, though, in the second half, well, the first half, Cortland Sutton threw the ball for one of those big plays that set up a touchdown. Oh, so you think maybe they were like, Brandon Allen's not good enough, so let's just hand it off to... No, I don't think that. But what I do think is that I don't think you'd watch that game and think Brandon Allen is anywhere close to how Kirk Cousins is playing right now, which is okay. Yeah, Kirk Cousins is what, eight years right, in the but, league, but, something like but that? But you're looking for somebody who can get to Kirk Cousins or better. And so if you think that Brandon Allen can do that, and I do think he took strides in some ways this week. He didn't, you know, some of the passes he missed in his first start against the Browns, he didn't miss this week, still missed a couple. He was only 17 of 39. Uh, he obviously had that bad interception that may have been a miscommunication between him and Noah Fant. But he, he's got to keep showing drastic growth for them to continue to play him. I think now if they go out and he throws two touchdowns and a pick and they win against Buffalo, do I think they'll bench him? No, probably not. You don't think so? No, I think they'll probably at least play him another week, but I think you need to see something from him that proves he at least could be the long-term guy. It's not enough at this point to just be good enough to, to get it done with everybody else around you playing well. You have to show signs that you're the guy because if he's not the guy, then Drew Locke needs the chance to show that he's the guy. And if he's not the guy, you got to draft somebody. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say that the standard should be what we were talking about with Drew Locke earlier in the year is that, hey, if Drew comes in and he can show that he can be the guy, he needs to play well enough to show that so that the Broncos don't draft somebody. And that same standard needs to be applied to Brandon Allen, not just that, hey, does he look like he's better than Drew Locke right now? Right. It can't be right can't, now. Yeah, it, it has be to that. be, does this guy show that in the long term he can be a franchise quarterback? And that's a, t that's a really tough standard to put on Brandon Allen. He's played two games. Could he end up being a guy who is, you know, a, a Case Keenum, a Trevor Simeon, one of these guys that played decent for Denver and is a guy that's probably going to have a lengthy NFL career in some capacity, of course he could be that. But if he doesn't show you that he can be much more than that, you owe it to kind of the future of the franchise to see what Locke can do. And if he doesn't show that either, to find somebody who can. It, yeah. It's a harsh reality for a guy that, you know, is one and one right now, played well, helped him score 20 points in the first half to be like, you got to prove in two games that you can be a potential franchise savior. Yeah, I mean, it's... But that's the that's the league. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's, it's different for quarterbacks because Noah Fant, as a first-round pick, gets all these you know, chances to... He struggled early on and is now playing well. It's different at other positions. At quarterback, you've got to show it. Yeah, and it's that's going to add a lot of intrigue down the stretch here with these final six games because, you know, sitting at three and seven now... I think that the um, reality of this season is probably starting to set in here for this Broncos team. So you got to say, okay, look, we're still trying to win these games, but at the same time, we got to just know what our, we got to have some direction here. Yeah. And Vic said last week, our job is both to win now and develop players, not just at quarterback, but everywhere. But I think especially at the quarterback position, you, 
you got to figure it out. Now, what happens if Brandon Allen goes out and throws one touchdown, one interception, completes 55% of his passes, but the Broncos win? Are you going to lose the locker room if you say, hey, Brandon won this game, but we're going to go to Drew? It's going to be very interesting. And the way that they've handled Drew up until this point would suggest that, no, they would go with Brandon Allen. Yeah, so, I kind of I kind of agree. Unless, you know, they win and Brandon Allen plays catastrophically, but from watching him play the last 2 weeks, I don't expect that's going to ha- that he's going to have a complete meltdown. No. And he didn't even other than that fourth down play, he didn't really get running or moving like that all game long. He was staying in there and stepping up into the pocket and making throws. I mean, he only got sacked twice. He knew when to throw it when to throw it away. Uh, outside of the one interception, he didn't make a lot of bad decisions. So I, I was pretty impressed. But again, it, it goes from, is it enough to be pretty impressed and see? Yeah, it can't just be average. Ex- exactly. And at best, that's what it was. Yeah. And if he continues to be average, I think that. And there's there's nothing wrong with that in your second career start to play like an average NFL quarterback. No. Most teams would love to have their backup quarterback yeah. play like that. I think you'd feel very comfortable right now if Brandon Allen was your long-term backup and you said, hey, he's got to go in and play for one or two weeks while somebody's hurt. Can he win you a game? He absolutely looks like that guy. And part of the thing for Brandon Allen is that uh, he isn't like a first-round pick who came in here and played that way. You know, he exactly. he was a six-round pick a, f- a few years ago, and then, of course, you know, with Jacksonville and then L.A. and then here. So he doesn't have that, you know, pizzazz that a, a name recognition comes in because, you know, if that if the back of his jersey said Murray and he was Kyler Murray and he went out and played like that, you would be excited. You'd be like, this guy's showing stuff, but because it's Brandon Allen and Drew Locke happens to be sitting behind him, now there's like, oh, well, was that really that good? Right. Well, I remember when Trevor Simeon was here, he said, I know I'm always going to deal with being a seventh-round pick. It doesn't matter how well I play. That's That kind of stigma, if you want to call it that, is never going to go away. Yeah. I'm sure Brandon Allen knows, too, that as a sixth-round pick, he's going to deal with that as well. Now, it's tough. There's at least one quarterback drafted in the sixth round who turned, it out, turned out pretty good. I have no idea who you're talking about. Doesn't surprise me. Swanson, do you know who we're talking about? Okay, that hurt my feelings. Swanson actually doesn't know who we're talking about. <laughs> no, tell me. Thomas Brady. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he might play <laughs> yeah. he, he might play uh, yeah. until he can stop dunking the basketball. I heard he wants to play with his son. Oh, really? Yeah, his son's <laughs> going to be one of their wide receivers. He plays AAU football? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think 15 of his son's games are on the ESPN channel of (laughs) networks this year. Really? Yeah. Pretty impressive. Check that out. Kind of like uh, he's going to have like a huge battle with Arch Manning. That would be nuts if Tom Brady's (laughs) son and Arch Manning became arch nemeses. Oh, that would be nice. Nemeses. I I know. That's why I said it. No, I don't think so. I think I just happened to say it. It worked out nicely. It didn't. I mean, it did work out nicely, but it was intentional. (laughs) Okay, whatever you say. I trust whatever you say, so. All right, well, I think that might uh, do it for this week's show. It's time for shout-outs, though. That's true. Did you have one other thing you wanted to say? Well, just one other point I thought was interesting. Uh, The Vikings scored 20 points in 4 minutes and 24 seconds in the fourth quarter. They did not have the ball very much. Yeah, that Rudolph touchdown happened real fast. It's true. Slipped behind Duke Dawson. Who? Duke Dawson? Duke Dawson? Swanson, who is it? Duke Dawson? Emily? Duke Dawson? Slight delay there because you yeah. got to turn on the microphone. Exactly. So. got to wait for the mic to warm up. Understandable. Exactly. Understandable. Well, Swanson and Emily, their mics are kind of like dial-up used to be where like yeah. you, <sighs> both can't, well, you both can't be using the, you can't use the phone and the internet at the same time. Like if Emily's using yeah. her mic... Swanson can't use his. <laughs> That's definitely not a problem you know anything about. If you were born in 1998. Oh, I thought you were saying because I talk over you. Oh, oh no. no. I was like, That's a I shot. Saying, I was saying because. I know uh, all about dial up. You do? Yeah. I didn't know. I was born in the early 90s when oh. dial up was all the rage. Got it. I mean, that must have been crazy for you, you know, like finishing college and you were like, dang, I wish the internet had been around. Yeah. When uh, I was, you know. I got all these typewriters at home. I don't know what to do with them. Exactly. 
Well, you had to go to the library, I'm sure, and go through all these encyclopedias. Dewey and- Decimal? Yes. Yeah. Love it. Genius. <laughs> Different things, but I think fair enough. I had to look up books and then read them. That's true. Yeah. Now he doesn't do any of that. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, one other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, I thought the Broncos offensive line played uh, pretty well. It was nice. Gave up two sacks. We talked about the pass rush of the Vikings a lot last last week. Uh, Everson Griffin and who else? Who's the other guy in there? Daniil Hunter. What? Daniil? Daniil. Got it. Yeah. Uh, and those two guys uh, didn't really wreck the game like we maybe thought they were going to have an impact. So I thought that they the, the tackles in particular played pretty well. Yeah, I think Garrett Bowles whistled for one false start penalty, kind of costly there uh, toward the end. Um, the Broncos were still able to convert. I believe that's when Brandon Allen ran for the first down. Could mm-hmm. be wrong. And then uh, he had another holding penalty, but Cortland Sutton drew a defensive holding penalty on the same play. I said. Wiped it out. Um, but, yeah, I think they two sacks – only one was Everson Griffin got one of them. Uh, Johnson got the other one. Got it. And uh, how about Dalton Reisner with the bloody face? I didn't see that. His nose was, uh, yeah, he had a bloody nose for like most of the first quarter, I think. Wow. Yeah. I didn't see yeah. That. Even on the play where he hurt his ankle, maybe a lot of people were like, oh, my God, did he get hit in the face? Oh, really? Yeah. I think a lot of times when they show a close-up of guys on the sideline, even if they're like quarterbacks, there's just there's blood on their jerseys. Like you don't realize uh-huh. as a fan being away or watching it on TV until you get those close-up shots just how like even if you're not hurt, like stuff is happening. You know, like you're getting yeah. scratched or it's it's a tough game. It is a tough game. Very tough game. That's why you so. played it from the time you were 4, I think, right? Yeah. Tw- played 28 years in the league. They used to call you too tall Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Just a dominant middle linebacker. Yeah, if, Phil, if only I had my chance. Milani. Exactly. I could have yeah. showed. That back injury, really. If, if Coach would have just put me out there in the state final. Exactly. Could have brought <laughs> glory to Smoky Hill. Emily has no yeah. idea if this is true or not. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's how you know it's time to wrap it up. Emily, thoughts? I think it's time to wrap it up. Yeah, time for our weekly shout-outs here yeah, Emily on had, the neutral zone. I think Emily has a shout-out to a, an animal besides Snuggles. Thunder? No. Different animal. Hmm. Oh, um, our house got a puppy. Wow. His name is Henry. Henry. I, heard I like it when animals get human names. Yes, yeah. he's very cute. I get to go home and play with him today. And whose responsibility is Henry? Not mine. That's the best part. That's the best part. (laughs) The neutral zone will be adopting a puppy soon. Oh, really? Yeah. What's its name? Maybe we should take fan suggestions. What should we name our neutral zone rescue puppy? I legitimately have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) I was thinking it could be a fun thing for us to do as like a group. (laughs) What? (laughs) Okay, no puppy. Got yeah, it. This is Swanson? A... I don't know. News to me. Huh. Okay, interesting. <laughs> just thought it could be fun, was, but uh, just never mind. It was an interesting bit that uh, no one What's going got. on in the community? <laughs> Shout out Liz Manis. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think about what is going on in the community. Uh, oh, they're playing recess today. Some Broncos players went out to... They're playing recess? They're, they're participating they're, in recess? They're playing the TV show Recess. All I know is about turkey distribu- or collection. <laughs> Swanson. Where's, where's that's that at happening? That's at the end of Swanson. the week. That's at the end of the week. Oh, got it. They're doing, I think there's uh, multiple locations that they could uh, do that. Uh, here at the rescue mission, uh, at the oh. Denver rescue mission, here at UC Health Training Center and the stadium? I believe so. Yeah, I think so. So, Donate your turkeys. That's true. I think they have so, to be frozen. I believe so, yes. Not cooked. Not cooked. That would be spectacular. So, yeah, just a bunch of really, really cooked, good-smelling turkeys. Yeah. Could be nice. All right, so that's the latest there in the community. Shout-out to Liz Manis, of course. But uh, to recap this edition of the Neutral Zone, we talked about some uh, PI questionable calls there at the end of the game and Vic Fangio's thoughts in general about the ability to challenge 
pass interference. We got his thoughts on the Broncos' defense in the second half. Brandon Allen's performance, his first career start on the road. Brandon McManus's miss. And then the overall, the state of the team right now as they head into the final six games of the season. Pretty good show, uh, in my opinion. Uh, definitely the best of the week so far. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought I did really well. You did. Yeah. And Emily really brought it home with the Henry. I'm sure he's a huge neutral zone fan. Yeah. So if you'd like to be involved in the show, like we mentioned uh, at the beginning, please uh, tweet at us. Let us know. Also subscribe to the show. Leave a review. Uh, Eric, where can people listen to this? Can listen to it at, on TuneIn, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and maybe if you're listening to it on one of these these lovely audio channels, maybe head to our YouTube page. Yeah, we'll post this on our YouTube page. You can see what uh, Swanson looks like. You're going to be very <laughs> surprised. Like? <laughs> you're going to be very the, surprised. Hooray. The voice and the face just, they don't match up. You would <laughs> never think. A beard like you've never seen. <laughs> I'm just, not sure whether to be insulted or... <laughs> <laughs> just a fact. Yeah. Uh, no one's tweeted at us using the neutral zone hashtag so try and recently, so maybe you could do that. That could be nice. If recently people leave comments, ever. will we respond to those comments? We could, On yeah. YouTube, you got love a question, comments. comment, anything like that. So please do that. Please. Video is kind of like audio, but like twice as good. Oh, well, there's uh, images and then also the audio, so it's two, well, two things. Unless Swanson's shooting the video, then there's there's just video, no audio. That's true. I've much improved, I promise. <laughs> That's true. And you'll find out in Buffalo. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Uh, Swanson will be behind the camera doing some uh The more you can work. do, and Swanson can do a lot. Swanson is, a, is, he's like a Swiss army knife. He can uh, paint. He, paint. He can paint. He can shoot video. He can take draw. Pictures. Take pictures. Picture. Edit. Yeah. Um, write. Sketch. Write. I can write. Write. Yep. Yep. Uh, Excel. Paint. Excel. That's true. Really uh, he can connect a computer to a projector. Yep. It's really nice. So, okay. <laughs> Keep going. I'm not going to wrap it up. All right, we'll be back later this week with a preview of the Broncos and Bills game. Until then, for Ben Swanson, Emily Samanskis, and Eric Dalala, I am Phil Milani, and you've been listening to uh, The The Neutral Neutral Zone. Zone.